ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rounding the Earth podcast. Rounding the Earth is a popular newsletter series published on Substack, written by applied statistician and educator Matthew Crawford. Topics of discussion range from critical analysis of conventional wisdom to Bitcoin and everything in between, and of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. Our goal is a careful examination of important topics and perspectives shaping the world that too few people talk about. Subscribe to Rounding the Earth on Substack, Rumble, YouTube, Rockfin, and our new Locals community to join a burgeoning research community and to help us unflatten the earth. My name is Liam Sturgis. I'm a musician, music producer, and writer-slash-editor coming at you live today here from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I will be your host for today. And of course, I do it with a good friend of mine. Allow me, please, to introduce to you my co-host, Matthew Crawford. Good afternoon, Matthew. Hello, Liam. How are you today, sir? Um, mostly well. Uh, feeling another bout of boredom with, with what is the pandemic. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, but uh, you know, some some good music uh, helps fix that a little bit, right? Absolutely, yes. We must remain entertained even through the best of times and the worst of times, and even better if we can have music about the thing that we're becoming bored of. I think that can probably help. So, how about we use that opportunity to introduce our guest for our roundtable discussion for today? Please welcome to the show. Micah Salaberrios of No Permit. How are you, Micah? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Yeah, we really appreciate you joining us. It was about a month and a half ago, maybe a month, um, our friend Rebecca, and I think even a couple of others, reached out and said, you guys have to hear this song. And it was Research, which we just played there. Is that who we, is that who we heard this from? It was Rebecca? Rebecca was at least one of the people who sent it to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like I, I may have gotten this one from multiple directions, but uh, but yeah, um, wow, it doesn't cool. surprise me. So we have a lot we can dive into here beyond Matthew and I just fangirling over over <laughs> over you guys the entire uh, time. <laughs> but how about we start by having you introduce yourself to the audience? Well, my name is Micah Salaberrios. Uh, yeah, my band is No Permits. Um, I do film. I work for uh, a show called The High Wire, which is kind of a uh, medical We've heard of it, show. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the editor. I'm the editor there. I didn't and, know you were part of Del Big Tree's crew. Yeah. That's incredible. I, that is news to me as well. That is the kind of thing that would have us uh, be, be wanting to talk to you anyway. And um, th so you're a man of many talents and many affiliations. That's awesome. Yeah. How did that come about? That was um, it was pretty interesting, actually. It was very it was very like a lot of coincidences, a lot of like I wasn't looking for work. It was it was the pandemic was going strong. Uh, I had my like grants from the government and I had I was just like day trading crypto. I was like I was I was good. You know what I mean? I really, like my life didn't change that much. I still went out whenever I want. I never wore a mask. I just did whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. My life really didn't change, you know. Uh, I mean, except I moved from LA to Texas, but still, my daily life was great. And then I just happened to see on Craigslist there was an ad. Like as a filmmaker, as a freelance filmmaker, I like to just keep tabs on Craigslist to see like what kind of gigs because you can get some like seriously nice gigs from Craigslist. 
So I was just checking one day and I saw this ad. I was like, I was like, what? They were like, are you? I can't remember what it said, but it was basically it was like I could tell. I was like, this is either Alex Jones or someone else. Like, who who is who put this ad up? Let me answer it. So I sent him some videos that I made. Turned out it was it was the high wire. And then uh, I talked to him on the phone and uh, one of the producers and she was awesome. I was like, man, that's that's awesome. And I was like, the only question is like, how much y'all pay? Because <laughs> I'm good. I don't really, you know, I'm not really looking for work. But if you pay good, they were like, oh, it's, uh, what do they say? It's competitive. And I was like, all right, any, what does that mean? They're like, just come in. I was like, all right. It was like an hour and a half drive. I was like, fine, I'll just come in. Well, it's a, it's a very well-produced show, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a team. It's, it, they're, they're really, it's really high level. Uh, Dell's awesome. The producers are awesome. Is that and it was really cool. Austin what? or had you moved? No, I was already, already, I was outside of Austin and now I'm in like dripping Springs. But what was cool though, was that the day before, so I took the job and, and then I, I got, I got a place, everything lined up perfectly, which was like really random. So, so everything lined up, boom, got a place. Everything set up. I was like, wow, that was bizarrely easy. But here's the real weird coincidence. During the pandemic, I didn't go to many parties, right? There was not a lot of things going on, but there was one party I went to and it happened to be the day before my job uh, started. So that my, so that was a Sunday and, my, and I started work on Monday. And then uh, on that Sunday, I go to this party of an old friend of mine and guess who also showed up? Dale Bigtree. <laughs> the wow. day before I started working and he didn't even know, like I hadn't even met him yet because I, I got hired by all the producers and stuff. Not, you know, he's doing other stuff. But that was just wild. And then he walked, literally walks in while I'm freestyling on the guitar. Like, I was oh, in the zone. I was all freestyling. We were all jamming. He walks in and he had no idea who I was. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> hey, you're my new That's boss, fun. dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty crazy. Well, and and Dell, I, I I assume Dell specifically, but I know the High Wire has been a very music friendly show. Um, five, is it five times August? Is that the name of? Yeah. Other? And uh, so that must be, and correct me if I'm wrong, a very friendly environment for you as an artist as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so, 100%. So, okay, well, that that's cool. Um, I mean, we can go, there's a lot we can cover there. I want to get a bit of your background. You were telling us a little bit um, before the show. Um, you've had your hand in many artistic pies across the United States, uh, if, I, if I was overhearing correctly. Do you want to give us just a brief background? What, what brought you up to the pandemic what was your artistic career like leading up to this uh interesting couple of years we've had okay well yeah i started playing music when i was like 18 but i really didn't know anything at all i just i just knew that as i was looking around the world trying to figure out what i want to do with my life and i already knew that most things were bull can we cuss on here or no I think you probably would be fine. <laughs> so I was, most things were BS. You know what I mean? Like, like out of high school, I was like, oh, my God. It's, you know, you're not even teaching anything relative. I love learning, and I hate learning from you because you're just teaching me nonsense. And I had a scholarship to a college uh, basically off of some test I took. I wasn't even trying, but I got it was like a Christian college, and I didn't. Now I look back, I'm like, oh, I should have went to that. <laughs> I should have checked that out. But at the time, I was like, more BS. You know what I mean? Um, and then, but I decided to be a musician. I didn't know anything about music at all, except that I loved how it made me feel. So then I kind of like got in bands and it took a long time, this, that, and the other. And, and then I eventually, I, I had I had a band in New York for a while, but then I really discovered I love filmmaking. 
that was like something I just loved. I, and I love I love music, but I knew that just doing music wasn't gonna actually probably fulfill my soul. Like I could be, a, you know, I couldn't just be a, just a musician. It wasn't enough for, for me. And then I started filmmaking and I, and I realized I got a, a talent and I love it. And I love all parts of it. And then I realized, oh, this can, this is like, this can fulfill me. So I started doing that for a while, working freelance uh, for like 10 years. Um, still doing music here and there on the side and stuff. Um, never really giving up, always writing songs. And then fast forward to like, I was in LA before the pandemic making uh, this show uh, called Brokers. And I'm happy with it. I spent a year on this show. It's like 15 minutes. It was a pilot episode. It was about some ganja dealing couple who got in trouble with a sorcerer mob boss. Uh, and right when I was about to release it, or I released it, but right when I was about to start shopping around and using it as a cornerstone to build a career in filmmaking in L.A., um, pandemic hit, the Hollywood shuts down. I uh, I realized things were serious when uh, Trump cut off flights from Europe. That was when I was like, oh, snap. Like, wow, that's so many billions of dollars of commerce being wrecked. Like, that was that was when I realized, OK, this this ain't going nowhere. L.A. shutting down. I saw people starting to wear masks. And, you know, I remember back in the beginning of the pandemic when they in Italy, right, it was all like Italy, people are dying, dying. I was like, all right, what, what is this? Let me look into it. Let me do a little research. And then they're like, oh, everybody who's dying has three conditions of morbidity. And I was like, what does morbidity mean? Yeah, it means what I thought. <laughs> it means they're already about to die. Okay, so I'm not worried, right? And then, you know, I did a little more research. Everything backed it up. It's like, yeah, this is like a cold. It's from the day, you know, back then. And then, so I wasn't worried. I wasn't wearing a mask. I wasn't going to wear a mask. It didn't make sense, all that stuff. And then, so I, so then I came to uh, Texas because I have family here. And, and I like to do a little more freedom, a little more like just have your gun in your land and like just take it from my cold, dead hand if you can. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, I was here. Yeah. So then I was doing my thing. Like I said, then I was trading crypto. I was just doing film. I also teach nonviolent communication, which some, some of them random. I just learned and, and I, I needed it and I learned it really well. So I started teaching it. So I was kind of like doing those things. Then I uh, started working for Dell at the, at the high wire and through a party over there. I met Wendell who plays the bass and uh, through one of their house parties, um, and then we just clicked and then we, we played together once and I was like, oh, this is the type of music I always was trying to make. But back in the day when I had my bands, like this is what happened to me. I was trying to, I was making reggae hip hop and all the musicians that I had naturally attracted when I was in New York doing this, I went back to New York and did, they were all, um, their favorite music was um, Jane's Addiction. And my favorite music, I liked Jason's. I, like, I love that song, but I wasn't like a big Jane's Addiction person. You know, that, that style of music it was like cool, but it wasn't my like roots music. I like Bob Marley and Tupac. That was like mine. So I had this band. They all love Jane's Addiction. They would be great Jane's Addiction band. But I was trying to do reggae hip hop, which they liked, didn't love. So it just, it was close, but it didn't quite, wasn't it? And so when I started playing with Wendell, he loves, we have the same musical tastes and sentiments and it was like oh this is what i was always trying to create and never could 
And so then, I, and we were both like, yeah, let's, let's keep doing this. Let's keep playing. So when did that start? Is that still 2020? This is no, this was 20 end of 2021. Yeah. We okay. started that. Me and Wendell. Yeah. So did you, did you start working at the high wire in 2021? Yeah. I started working at high wire 2021 around like June, June, 2021. Yeah. And I hope then, you don't mind. I'm trying out this thinner one. Uh, this, we yeah, yeah, it's funny how uh, <laughs> perspective shift. Well, that that's awesome. So then, um, you know, what struck me about uh, research when when I watched it was how many things are in there that um, I would I, I don't want to describe them as inside. But if someone was just coming to this conversation about about COVID and about the uh, the issues that you're bringing up, which is sort of lack of informed communication and, and informed choice. And, you know, um, people might not pick up on everything right away. And, and I say this as a compliment because it's so densely packed with wisdom um, and references to a very relevant culture uh, that we're all kind of living through. So I was, I was immediately connected with you in terms of I could tell that we were on the same page. You were you were saying things that I'm like, yes, okay. The fact that you mentioned this to me communicates a lot of information about your thought process, your critical thinking skills. Um, so, what then, as you were going through, um, you know, 2020, 2021, like post Italy, you were describing it. You were seeing there was this kind of mi misrepresentation of the actual threat of things as we had other kind of landmark controversial decisions being made for us, you know, the introduction of the mass vaccination campaign, the, the introduction of not just recommendations, but mandates for various things like masks. How did your thinking and your approach to COVID evolve? You know, it never really wavered because, because of that fact that like if you have three conditions of morbidity and then you die, it's like, yeah, that's normal. That's what happens. And then I started doing, when I, I remember I had no idea about this, but did you know that every year 700,000 people die from the flu? I was like, oh man, that's, that's wild. And we don't care about that. You know? So it was just like, I knew there was, I just knew there was, it wasn't true what they were doing. So I never wavered. There was never a moment when I was scared. There was never a moment when like, oh yeah, I need a vaccine. I was like, no, that's another like over my dead body. Like try, try to give me a vaccine. Then we'll go to war. It's like, do you, you have put your vaccine if you want, but like you ain't putting it in me. I don't care. You know, I'll just trade crypto for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's like, I'm fine. I'll just do this. Yeah, and you know, what you said about, uh, you know, people dying of the flu. And I, I think this is where it, there's this weird butting of heads. And I think it's, um, it's, I describe it as between people who are more intuitive and people are who are more system educated. Um, I, I don't know how to describe it better than that, um, but I, I'm just going to go with that. Uh, system educated. Um, yeah, it, it, the intuitives say it's just the flu, right? And, and I think that comes from the fact that how people were dying, other than the fact that they were putting them on ventilators, which I think yeah. probably hurt a lot of people. Clearly. And what are, you know, and I'm not a big fan of room density either. Uh, but other than that, like what people were dying from was pneumonia, mm -hmm. which is the same as what people really die from when they get the flu, right? Like uh, almost nobody dies from just the flu. It's, it's the pneumonia that, that gets them, right? Especially uh, when they're elderly. Um, and, and it was the same thing going on with COVID. Uh, you know, when, when you look at it from like the, you know, 
what caused death. You know, we see all the excess death in the U.S. goes exactly with the uh, pneumonia curve from the CDC data. So, you know, that's something like, it, and, and this came to mind, like, you know, watching your video, you, you pick up this book and we were talking beforehand uh, and, you know, you're talking about how, or, or, or maybe, maybe this was after we started the interview, you, you were talking about how, you know, you, you didn't really enjoy school particularly, but you liked learning. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, like I, I think about things the same way. I, I, I couldn't wait to get out of high school, but I loved getting home and picking up a book. <laughs> Um, and it's like, there's something about what we've lost, I think, with overschooling that is as much the pandemic as anything. Yeah, and so I, I think that that's a, a lot of why this song probably resonates with uh, with a lot of us. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Learning is like the funnest thing. It's amazing. It, it's fascinating. And there's so much to learn. Every subject is Fascinating, you know, history, English, math, science, it doesn't matter. The biology, it's also, and then you go to school and it's also boring and <laughs> frustrating and just like pulling out hair. You're just like, they, it's amazing how bad, how, how they distorted it and made something that we all naturally love. Kids love to learn. And then you go to school and we just hate it, like with a passion. All, you know, pretty much all of us, unless you actually get a good teacher, which every once in a while there's a really good, passionate teacher, but. Yeah, I want to I follow that a bit. Did you have a teacher like that? Because I know exactly what you're talking about. And in the context of the last couple of years, I constantly come back to two specific teachers I had in high school who without them, I don't think I'd be alive right now. I probably would have wow. died in the in the course of various parts of the pandemic. So so can you elaborate on that in your own experience? Yeah, it wasn't actually any teachers from high school. It was more like YouTube. It was once I started like discovering how to learn from YouTube and just like any nuance of any subject, I could go in there and find and, and podcasts. Then it, you know, and books. I, I always love to read. So so I would I would always read my whole life. But yeah, that combo of like reading books and and then a lot of times it was like spiritual books too, really were like probably my greatest teachers were were, you know, things that kind of just woke me up to not everything is just this 3D existence there's more there's minds there's god and, and love and higher frequencies and dimensions and all that kind of really opened me up uh, a lot you know and and like Eckhart Tolle he was a big just just learn how to be present mm. that's probably like the greatest teacher but as far as like data and, and science and stuff the pandemic actually helped a lot because I'd be on Facebook arguing and then they'd be like you're an idiot <laughs> and then they and they and, they, and they'd say and they'd say something some data and I'd be like okay and I'm like you know what I guess I haven't done enough research let me go and I started reading the studies finding the data in the clinical studies and then then oh yeah how about this how about this of course they didn't care <laughs> they were like now nah, you're an asshole I'm blocking you uh, but it's fine um, we do live in a tremendous age for education if you're self motivated if you're curious uh, this this combination of videos and books um, or, you know, or videos and reading material is, is really just something else. I found myself yeah. like, Oh, and, and I, I was resistant of video learning at first. Uh, and, and I'm, I, I'm an educator. I wrote some textbooks, you know, that's part of what I did um, uh, you know, uh, between uh, careers and finance uh, and now. Um, but one of the things that I found was sometimes five minutes of a video 
is what you need to open the door to make what you read like so much easier, right? Yeah. Like, especially mm-hmm. when you're taking first steps into a topic. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, the combo is amazing. Now, what is your, because because I relate to you on another front, which is I'm a musician. That's what I spend uh, 100% of my time doing pre-COVID. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, the lucky people who has been able to, to do that. You know, a lot of people just don't have the circumstances that allow them to kind of sacrifice uh, a lot um, to, to, you know, some people really have to go out and hustle in whatever way they can to get the paycheck today. My point is as someone who um, the only real credential to their name is you can make some sounds that sound somewhat pleasant to most, you know, to some people, coming up in these discussions about science and about even, you know, politics and law and all these things where there are people who actually have credentials, you know, they have a piece of paper that says, I am the quote unquote expert or one of them on this topic. I've been hit with um, a lot, almost every single uh, argument I get into. One of the first things people do is say, go back to making music. Like, how about this? I'll focus on this and you focus on music. Yeah. To me, it's a false premise. It, it completely misses every single point. And it seems to me to be part of a problem that is much bigger than just a given conversation. What has your experience been like? Have you, have you faced that kind of almost ad hominem, like shut up musician, like go back and do your thing. Have yeah, you- yeah, yeah. I have. And it reminds me of one particular, someone I used to actually make music with. We made some good music together. And, and then he was just like, uh, He's like, listen, you're not a doctor. Just listen to the doctors. And it's like, do you think that all the doctors are agreeing? Because they're not. Here's a doctor who agrees with me. And here's an idiot who agrees with you. (laughs) I was never that harsh. But I was like, here's some doctors that agree with me. They say exactly. I'm saying exactly what's saying. You know, uh, Peter McCullough, one of the leading heart doctors. More published places on the heart. This is what he's saying. What about that? Um, So, yeah, it's. It's as if, yeah, if you don't have a degree, then your opinion doesn't matter, Um, which is just to me such a, yeah, backwards way of thinking because we're all capable of critical thought and doing our own research. And and it's not that complicated. That's another thing I learned in in COVID is when, when something sounds too complicated, a lot of times the person is not being honest. They're being disingenuous. It shouldn't, nothing is really that complicated. You can get into the weeds, but you can also speak clear. You know what I mean? And when I was reading studies too, when I'd be reading these clinical studies, um, as soon as they would start to get too weird, they'd be like, oh, we gave them a dose at this rate. And the next day we changed it to this rate. And then on the third day, we'd be like, why would you do that? Just give them, you know, this many ivermectin that everybody else is doing the whole time, you know, and do it. But it would be all complicated. Like, okay. And then those would later be the sham ones that were like debunked. You know, so yeah, and then and then to also to act like all just because you have a degree, all the doctors in the world agree on the same thing. That's just that's super naive, you know. Yeah, yeah. One of the weird things is, and I, I saw this more than I've ever seen it on Facebook, and I think that's part of why, you know, I stepped back and wanted to reassess the world. Is there's some level on which most all of us know that authorities lie a lot. Nice. You know, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who would fully agree with the fact that it is the government's job to lie. I mean, you know, nothing, nothing's uh, entirely true, but uh, uh, 
that it's just a whole lot of what goes on with authorities. And then you have politicians who, you know, sell some sort of explanation of what's going on. And it felt very weird that a lot of people that I knew who would normally, you know, call out, you know, or, or at least question like, hey, you know, we should take another look at what's going on, uh, didn't. Did, did you know people that it surprised you that they didn't uh, do their own research and take a more skeptical view of authorities? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Whole groups of people. I just had no idea that they were like all these like I lived in Northern California. Well, right. So everybody up there is growing weed. They're outlaws. I was there for like two years. That's why I did this the, my, my thing on it, because I was. I just saw that world at one point. And I was like, I was like, people, uh, have you guys ever lived in Northern Cali? No. I, I lived in Southern California for okay. nearly five years. So Northern Cali is like, like in Texas, there's a lot of farmers and ranchers, right? You can go out to area. Everybody's a farmer rancher. But you go to Northern Cali, literally 50, 60% of the people that you see are growing wheat or, 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 or directly working in that field. And it's like, you know, legal-ish. It's always, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's definitely an outlaw culture. And they're, just, they're, out, they're on the land. They're just living by their own rules and their own laws. And it's wild. And I, and I was like, it's cool. And then when the pandemic hit, all of them were like just conforming so hardcore. It, it was with, with no data, you know. I, I got in so many arguments. And I'm just, just been like, you know, like, here's data. Here's data. Here's data. And they were just always, trust the doctors. Uh, do blah, blah, blah. It's really dangerous. I'm like, it's not. <laughs> You know, it's like only if you're about to die. They're like, no, it's really. How do you know you're not a doctor? And I was, just, I was like, man, I thought y'all were outlaws. I thought y'all thought for yourself, and and were rejecting like government uh, over overreach and over authority. And so many of them just acquiesced. I was stunned. And then I was also stunned at how they just couldn't follow a logical series of thoughts. You know, like okay, here's let's start here, let's move here, and let's move here, and they would just get lost and so that gets here's what i realized though a lot of them get emotionally triggered and then as soon as they get emotionally triggered they can't think straight anymore and and that's and that and then you can't even you can't talk to them and they're just and, and they're just i don't know yeah and that, that's true for most everyone right yeah, like that's true. you know um it, it's why we have phrases like fighting words and things like that like we all get emotionally triggered by things it feels like that there's like this this broader game at play Right, that, that there was something in people's influence networks that tweaked them like in preparation or, or, or right at the beginning of, of all of this. Because, um, you know, that everybody I talk to who, you know, questions things on their own and did like you did and started, you know, looking at reading research on their own, um, everybody is just a little bit baffled. Like, like, you know, what happened to these people that I thought that I knew, right? Like yeah. it's almost like, you know, aliens came down and like cast a spell and like, you know, 20% of people were immune or something like that. <laughs> it, 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 it really, it almost feels like that. Yeah. And, um, and you know, uh, this, this may be an introduction. I, I, I really like, uh, th there's another song, um, uh, belief filter. And, uh, yeah, this one's not a video, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's why I clicked on this one. Uh, this was the second one that I listed you guys up, but this was my favorite. Awesome. I think you're muted. Oh, yeah, yeah, I am. All right, let's listen. Well, 
lot of things I don't believe I don't believe you know I, I've been told a lot of things I don't believe I don't believe you know So if I gotta have a paradigm I'ma build my own If I gotta think what you thought I don't think so The story that is told is not the one that unfolds It's the one you cannot hold It never goes Retrieving, interweaving, keep on breathing Meeting new particles, the party is full of unconditional love Fit to take like a glove, not listening to conditioning that doesn't resonate With the highest thought plan, I can contemplate Switching rules, switching tools, it's the moment it takes No in love with the flow, cause it always resonates Yeah, I, I've been told a lot of things I don't believe, I don't believe you I've been told a lot of things I don't believe I don't believe you To the eternal present that just continues to go, continues to know just where the next moment flows. Step up in the middle of a river like a road, moving so fast it might seem slow. Cause in this plan, everybody's in command of their own dark plan. And if you overstand, you can do your dance in each moment at hand. Every feeling is the result of your own dark plan. So get your groove on, relax and stay strong. Celebrate the moment, just playing you a song. If it feels right, it probably ain't wrong. I've been told a couple things that I believe. Oh yeah, I believe you. I've been told a couple things that I believe. Oh yeah, I believe you. I believe the universe loves us all. I believe in unconditional love. I believe. Yeah, it's all about love. I believe. We all rise in the above, I believe In effortless flow, I believe We all came here to grow, I believe That I can feel my soul's knees, I believe What I believe come to be, I believe Yeah, it's all about love, I believe Yeah, effortless love, I believe Unconditional love, I believe We all rise in the above, so get your groove on Relax and stay strong, celebrate the moment It's playing your song If it feels right, it probably ain't wrong I love that. <laughs> That's incredible. And uh, the end of day's profit always nice says this is jamming. Uh, Lowell says unusual looking guitar. I'm not sure if she's referring to the bass or your classical guitar, but regardless, they're both pretty. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. So where did you guys perform that? That was at uh, Wendell's house. I think that was the day we were going to go out and play uh, on, out, out on a bridge in Austin. We're like, Let's go play out for the first time. And then it was like, 
like 25 mile or 30 mile an hour winds. And we're like, no. <laughs> like, but we're all ready to like go do something. It's like, you know what? Let's just record videos here. And so we did. So we ended up just staying there, shooting at his house. Because it looks like a, a venue. It looks like you guys are at a, a jazz cafe or something. Nice. Yeah, no, it's just his living room. <laughs> That's incredible. So the, the bridge, is that the one in like North Austin? No, there's one. The uh, bats come out from under? No, uh, I'm just talking about that. The office top, there's one downtown. It's like a walkover bridge where you can just, it's like a, there's like a highway and then there's a walking bridge. It's just kind of beautiful. It's over the lake and a lot of people just walk and musicians will go out there. Right on. Um, two quick things. So first of all, it looks as though uh, Jay, our friend Jay Cooey over at GigaOM Biological um, has just uh, a little while ago finished his stream. And apparently some of our viewers here may have brought some of Jay's viewers over upon the completion of his stream. So shout out to that crew. Um, and also, and also, I think uh, we're going to be seeing Jay a little later. Anyway, I digress. Also, this is something we were talking about before as well. Miss Weasel says on Rumble, I see no permit on YouTube, but are they on any alternate platforms? I'm kind of allergic to YouTube. We're on Rumble a little bit. We have one video, and I want to start getting uh, more on there. But yeah, Rumble and um, you said that you, you that you're in the process of putting your music on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, and also, yeah, Spotify is coming on there soon as well. Wonderful. And we will make sure to uh, get that out to everybody. In fact, we've got a playlist that uh, once you're on Spotify, Matthew and I both have uh, control over for dissident music or uh, music speaking truth to power in the COVID nice. context. Awesome. Um, while we talk, I can see if I can find your uh, Rumble channel. But, um, okay, so that that's awesome. Have you been able to play yet on the High Wire and I've missed it? No, no, we haven't. We haven't played that yet. Is that How something did... that if we get public opinion behind you, we could convince? Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I think so. And and, and, yeah. and the music fits too. Yeah, yeah, it definitely fits. I mean, I'm not gonna push it on them, but if they want it, of course. I, I think I may have to email Dell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, send up some messages. <laughs> I, I get you. I get you on not wanting to be the one to instigate it. That's disrespectful, but I think it's perfectly reasonable at this point to make sure this happens. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm curious. So, so Dell Big Tree. So the High Wire as well it has a. It turns out quite a long history. Um, I've now learned of uh, being questioning voices, if not full on dissident voices. Were you familiar with uh, Dell's work? Had you seen Vaxed, the movie when it came out? Um, what what what's your story there? I'd heard I'd heard about Vaxed. I remember when it got kicked out of uh, the the music festival by Robert De Niro. So when that all happened, I'd heard about it. But I, I wasn't that interested in vaccines, and I was like, I was not going to get one. Um, I didn't know enough about it, and I think maybe I started to look into it a little bit, and, I, and it was like so much science, and I was like, I have no idea, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna. I could tell that on Facebook, like this anti-vaxxing was strong, even way back then. It was like, whoa, don't be an anti-vaxxer. It was like, that's pretty hardcore pushback on this vaccine, whatever it is, but whatever. And then. When the pandemic hit, Dell really stood out as one of the fearlessly speaking the truth back when it felt very dangerous. He was just like not holding back. And I thought it was awesome. I was like, oh, okay, this this dude is legit. And I remember, yeah, he, he was just doing, yeah, he was just going hard. I remember when he had his kid on there and, and they like tested the masks and stuff. And I was like, that was all. I don't know if y'all saw that. It was a little bit. That was, yeah, it was more during the pandemic that I really started to appreciate it because I was always looking for people who were speaking like the truth because it was, 
like obviously I was never scared of the, the virus, but but the lockdowns were kind of scary. You know what yeah. I mean? The, the, the governmental control was was a bit intense and it was bizarre too when I would go out and I'm literally the only person without a mask. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I'll be shopping at the grocery store and everybody has a mask on. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> find the, like, <laughs> I find the mask pliability of people to be scary. Yeah. I, like, it's like, what does that mean? Like, I, I've never, I've never witnessed anything like it. Um, and, you know, like we, we grow up here and, and I don't know if you ever had, you know, had this in a class, but like uh, I, almost everybody I know had one of those class experiences in high school where, you know, the question is asked, you know, would you have been a Nazi? Everybody's like, no, not me. And, and I, I feel like we just witnessed the fact that, that almost everybody, yeah, I balanced everybody, but that's a good point, man. You're over, right. There's a very large portion of people who who not only went along with it, but were ferocious about it, right? Like you know, people who would not have normally been sort of like those nagging, you should do what I say personalities, or you should stay in your lane, and uh, you know, public health officials. Even though, like, and really and truly, like the history of public health is not a strong one. Right. I mean, you know, public health has gotten so many things wrong over and over again. Historically, you know, cholera, you know, cholera was the was this thing that that was just totally mishandled until one day some guy was like, you know, if we just give everybody salt water and it turns out like that saved 80 percent of the lives or more. <laughs> but, you know, there's just a terrible history or or, you know, in Europe, you know, how many hundreds, how many millions of sailors died of scurvy? And, and a lot of the ship's captains knew, right? Uh, th there are logs with the ship captains and and uh, really like maybe the next most powerful person on the boat was the ship's physician, the captain's physician. And they would take a lot of notes and there's a lot of historical records of the physicians, you know, you know, discussing the health of the crew in terms of when it is they can get to port and find fruit. And that was, and it took two centuries before the medical establishment in Europe uh, and there, there was this one experiment by um, Lind, I think is his name. I can't remember his first name, but uh, that was like uh, one of the first trials or something like that. And the people who got the vitamin C recovered. But, you know, for two centuries, they were just like, no, no, don't waste your cargo space on lemons. You know, so we, we, we've had centuries of this, you know, yeah. just major historical mess ups. And it's like people have no idea. People have no idea that sometimes authorities are just totally, you know, they're total bozos at times. And, you know, I, but I, I think people who find themselves deciding to go along with uh, a social mass, I, I guess I'll put it that way. I'll kind of use the, the Matthias Desmond language. But when people decide to become part of a group for the first time, I think that they feel the need to be louder to prove their loyalty to it. Mm. I think that's why I, I like, you know, and I, I like, I like the, the music too, but I, I, you know, the uh, belief filter really resonated with me because it's like, if, if you don't give that up, you know, you've always got a defense against that. Yeah. Now that, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And the question that I've had and something I brought up on, on this show before is the way in which um, people can be swayed into things. One way is through the influence of money. And we have all these examples of people quite literally being bought off, 
right? We don't need to elaborate too much on that point. What we maybe need to explore more is how things like government grants for the arts have perhaps influenced some people to simply believe a narrative or have prevented them from being able to speak out for fear of losing their government grant. It's not just scientists who operate on that system. You alluded earlier, you've had some some government funding pr for music or was that something else? Uh, that was for my uh, nonviolent communication uh, like business. Now let's let, I wanna, I'm gonna come to that in a minute cause that's also very interesting. But so what has your experience been like with your fellow artists? Have you found it to be a lonely space? Have you found it to be somewhere where there's lots of collaborators just raring to go and talk about these things with you? Um, beyond obviously your, your bandmate now, what has been your experience with artistry in this time? Have people been quiet or have you found them to be eager to speak out? Um, you know, they, they, they've tended to not speak out and it's always like, I have, we have one song called no lockdowns. It's like the most direct, you know, research and belief filter are come. If you listen, you, you know what I'm talking about, but you can also not listen and not really know exactly what I'm talking about. But we got one song, no lockdowns. And, and like the peak of the song, I'm like, we ain't taking no vaccines today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the music stops. And we start. So that was always like a little nervous. There was, that was a little like, how y'all going to react to that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's pretty blatant. Even today, it's still a little bit like uh, in your face. Um, so it's almost like the litmus test. Really, it's like, I don't believe whatever you want. But if you get if you get triggered by my beliefs, that's kind of a litmus test. And, and if you're super hardcore, like, you know, about taking away people's freedoms over science, that's kind of a big litmus test and a surprising amount. Of, I feel like artists are lackadaisical. There's not many of them that are super hardcore, but they're just willing to like, I just want to play music and whatever you guys say is fine. I'm just going to go right. back to my music and I got to do this. Okay, fine. So, and you know, that's kind of been my experience. Do you do you find that applies both at the independent level and sort of the, the up and comers, if you want to call them that? Or uh, it, it, is it the same there as it is in the more mainstream? Because there's a lot of punk, you know, anti-establishment groups and rappers and such that I am floored haven't said anything. Like it has completely shattered my vision of some of these groups. Um, that they have not spoken up in this time where their music often is talking about similar, even very recent issues of government overreach and such. Uh, <laughs> and, and where are they now? Uh, is it the same situation you've found both ways or have you found artists that you follow um, uh, that have spoken up? Man, I don't think I have seen very many artists. Like, it's almost, it's the artists who like post pictures of them wearing a mask that's what i'm like all right um you, you i mean I, you're you're no longer on my favorite artist list you know that hasn't happened too many times but and if you don't say anything to me that's fine you know you're not obligated to say anything but if you say something the opposite way like like wearing a mask like what are you doing telling it's us all to get a vaccine to like, the problem yeah 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 that's that's really weird and and that has happened some i think most of the time people just aren't saying anything and here in austin Pretty much everybody did take the vaccine. A lot of people took the vaccine because they believed that you had to to keep gigging or whatever. But yeah, you don't have to. You you can. You, you, there's always a way. You can always find a way and get. You know. 
I remember during the during the pandemic, it was so interesting when I would go to the store and they would go, you know, mask mandatory. And I was walking without a mask, mm. you know, like, you need, and then and then they go, sir, do you want a mask? I go, no, I have a condition. And they go, and you know, they go, oh, OK, I go, it works, you know, and then you realize like these signs don't matter. What does mandatory mean? I don't know. It doesn't mean what I thought it meant because I'm not wearing a mask ever. You know, the only time I did was on airplanes. You know, if I got if I had to take a flight or if I really wanted to take a flight, I wasn't getting on the airplane without a mask. Yeah. Other than that, I wouldn't. And it's fascinating that, you know, it's it's so much. They, they think it's like it's like a voodoo, right? It's like they put the word mandatory and all, everybody. Think, oh, so I have to wear a mask to get in the store. No, you don't have to. All you got to do is say these three words I or four words. I have a condition. <laughs> and then every once in a while, people are like, do what's your condition? I'd be like, are you serious? Yeah, you're a, you're a doctor. No, I'm not telling you my condition. Bye. My condition is logic. Did, did people ask? Did people ever ask what is your condition? Oh yeah, uh, at, at Barton Springs, like, most people at stores they didn't. They they, they already knew not to. Uh, they would just be like, "Oh, okay, sir, uh, sure." Um, but at Barton Springs, it's like a beautiful swimming hole in Austin. They literally tried to be like, "Yeah, uh, what what is your condition? What is your condition, sir?" I'm like, what? "Are you crazy?" I, I now I don't know if it's if it's the same there as it is here. I don't think that's legal to ask. Yeah, I don't think that's legal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had a whole spiel too. I would like had documents though. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. right. There was this, that was like a young, young. Uh, you know, it was like an eighteen year old was was asking me that. I was like, dude, let yeah. me talk. Let me talk to your manager. And then the manager finally came, and he was like, he's like, blah blah blah. He's like, you have to have a mask. And I was like, oh, he was like, you have to have a mask when you walk right here onto the grass. And then you, I was like, okay, how about this? I want to put my towel around my face as I walk from there to there. Okay. <laughs> he was like fine i was i was creating a big ruckus was, i was the blinds getting backed up i was, like, yeah, yeah. was when i was younger i i, I would have gotten i would have gotten in trouble all over the place uh, i i think i well you know if they didn't ask what my condition was i think like walking out of the store i would have been like you know what my condition is i'm not crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, okay. Well, look, I want to ask about this nonviolent communication thing. Can you explain what's what's the story there? What is nonviolent communication beyond the obvious? Uh, what 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 do you do there? All right. So, I like we all have our childhoods, right? And we have uh, our parents do the best they can. And I would say uh, my my challenge with childhood was like abusive. So. I kind of grew up doing that. I didn't really know how to express anger without being like, you're wrong, I'm right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're stupid for being wrong. So, you know, don't do that anymore, right? And just like to tone and all that stuff. And then when I came across something called nonviolent communication, somebody used it on me. I was working on a film, it was all intense, and they worked it on me. And then, and then, and then later they go, oh, I did nonviolent communication on you. And I was like, I was like, what, what is that? So then I started to like voodoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was amazing because it was like it was a very intense moment. And I was in my mind, I was like, I think I'm gonna leave this project because clearly in my mind, because like clearly we're on a different page and y'all don't understand what I'm trying to do and what you just talked about, I don't want to have anything to do with. So I was like, I'm not and then she goes, she goes, Are you feeling upset right now because you would like more appreciation for your unique skill set you're bringing to the group? And it was like, actually, I think I tear came to mind because I was passionate about the project and she just nailed exactly how I felt in a moment when we were like 
butting heads and there was a group and then later and, and so then we and then that was like boom we fixed it everything was great like 10 minutes later and we were off and running with feeling more solid and later she was like that's not like communication so i started to learn about it and it's a it was created by a guy named marshall rosenberg and he basically he went around the world he's a psycho psychotherapist psychologist one of the two he, he went around the world uh just looking at different societies that were peaceful and took like the essence of them put together in this kind of format and then he taught it and he has a book called the nonviolent communication and it's amazing and basically it's just a way of speaking this is my 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 interpretation of it. it's a way of speaking when you are upset when you are upset or triggered and but so and it's a way of speaking that is a hundred percent authentic without blaming or judging or being vague or unrealistic. And the thing is, we normally are. Uh, and, and, and the word violent is pretty harsh. So, so either nonviolent or violent. And in th this terms, like being violent is saying anything that is designed to make someone feel bad. And that's kind of like what we do. If we're upset, we try to do something, guilt trip you, judge you, slander you, so you feel bad and then you don't repeat those actions. The problem is that doesn't work. It's not an effective technique for getting what we want, but it's what we do. So with nonviolent communication, you just like you speak in facts and you just wipe out all your opinion. No opinions. Your opinion is not helpful, but the facts are helpful and it's subtle. So if like if you go into a room and you're like, wow, it's way too cold in here. You're saying your opinion as if it's a fact. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's way too cold. There must be something. And then, and then there's all these little uh, innuendos, right? You're, there's something wrong with you. Maybe you're weak. Maybe you're not healthy. Maybe you don't understand how to use the thing, you know, like, so this is like a small thing, but so it might not bother you, but, but if you're already on the verge of being annoyed and they say that, you know, but a fact would be like, Oh, wow. Here's two ways to say it. That's, that's nonviolent. Instead of like, it's, it's way too cold in here. Implying that you're wrong. You could say, I feel cold. That's a fact. I feel yeah. cold. I feel cold in here. Or you go, oh, wow, it's 62 degrees in here. Those are facts. And so you still get to communicate that you don't like how cold it is. You're just doing it in a way that's not uh, implying the other person is bad or wrong. That's the real key. Speak your truth without implying someone else is bad or wrong. It's simple, but it's pretty hard, especially when you're triggered. Like we were saying earlier, when you, you get triggered, you kind of lose your logic. And then it's just like attack, fight. Yeah, or find, or find a way to give somebody an out too, right? Like there are a lot of people who, you know, they may budge on something. You know, let's say that they have an opinion about what should happen, but maybe they've been misinformed, you know? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. at some point, like it, instead of um, – and it's easier to do. It's easier to do if you know you're talking to somebody who was, you know, a victim of somebody else's lie or something like that, right? But – and, and and not that I always do this, but uh, if you can, you know, step outside any any offense layer, you know, and and you know, give them an out, like you know, if they're going to take it, they, I, you know, we were, we were discussing apologies the other day, um, you know, me and uh, me and Liam, and and there was there was one that was given by um, by an economist. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember her name at the moment. I usually I usually Emily Oster. Mm. And um, the pandemic was, amnesty woman. Yeah. And, and yeah, there was this discussion of, of when it is that that you accept an apology. And, and I think there's sort of like a, a similar division, right? Like if somebody is is possibly willing to be sorry, 
then you can give them an out. And, and then you can focus on communicating as if they have the out and see if they'll take it. Yeah, I, I would say from the from the NVC perspective, it's a uh, clarity. Like someone says something, and instead of assuming anything bad, you go, "Can you like okay? This is what you said. This is how I feel about what you said." And blah. But could you just clarify what you meant by this exact sentence that you just said? That kind of forces them to go think about it, and, and you know, and and that's kind of an out. So. How about you clarify? Are you saying that we're all idiots and you're an angel? Because that's kind of the impression I'm getting. But I, but can you just, you know, or what exactly did you mean when you said that my shoes make me look like a homeless person? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. But 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 but, it, but you know what I mean? It actually really works because clarity is a beautiful thing. And a lot of times we're just a little careless with our words and we don't even really understand like, oh, wait. Yeah, I did say that. And the logical conclusion would be that. But actually what I meant was this. Oh, OK. And that, that can help a lot. You know, I, I think this would have saved a bunch of my friendships. I, I've had a couple of, um, of 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 friendships that have multiple times. Uh, I, I'll wind up realizing. Hold on a second. I that I haven't talked to that friend in a long time, but I can't pinpoint why. And then I'll go back, and it'll be awkward, and I'll be trying to suss out from my perspective what went wrong. And lo and behold, I had said something like three months ago that i assume uh you know or not that i assume that they took away that i didn't intend mm -hmm. and um and it wasn't addressed at the time exactly it compounds and yes i wonder if there's the process of they then begin to hear more of the thing that bothered them and there's a positive feedback loop where you know, if there's if there's no discussion, then I will continue saying whatever the thing is, you know, if there was a reason to say it. And um, and and it's happened in, in at least three very uh, important relationships to me, all of which were all very interconnected. So we're part of the same circle. And it, it's been uh, very upsetting because it's always been something where I feel as though if it had been brought up, if someone had said, hold on a second, I just heard you say this. I think you probably meant this maybe clarify i feel like we never would have had any significant problem so are you, so you're suggesting you know nonviolent communication is a system with which you can address uh such issues yes yes because we the reason why we don't bring it up in that moment is because we know that it's very easy to get into an argument so something small happens right you say some small thing and, and we're bothered and then it feels silly to bring it up and then sometimes when we try to bring it up, we go, you're wrong. And they get, they get irritated. They go, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And now we have an argument. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't have brought it up. So the next time something you don't bring it up. But the problem is when you don't bring it up, it doesn't go away. It just it just stays within you. And now every time you react to that person, it gets right there. And like you said, you don't even always remember. You just have this low-level annoyance. And then something and then something else annoying happens or that you determine. And now it's compounded. So now you're like overreacting. Why do you always leave the door open? You're like, why are you freaking out? Because the door's open. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, so so NVC gives you those tools. And once you start using it, it's really, it's really amazing. I have a podcast too, the Art of NVC uh podcast, where I pretty much everything I know is on there. Um, and it's it's everywhere, basically, uh, except YouTube. It's on but all the podcast places. Amazing. Um, I'm pulling it up now. Well, and um and Lowell says uh, active listening is active listening a part of the process uh yes yes because uh i mean i don't know about the term active i don't know exactly what that means but if you're not listening then you don't then you won't be able to 
do it accurately, especially like, okay, so, so let me break down exactly what NBC is real quick. It's basically, it's four steps. So something happens that bothers you, right? So you bring attention to it by stating as a fact. So say the whole thing, say it's like you're in, you're, your roommate, you come in, you've already talked last week about uh, temperatures. You say, let's keep it at 70. You come in and, and it's at 66, right? And so you, and so, so you bring it up. Okay. I see that the room's at like 66 degrees. Right. And then and so the, so you bring it up with just facts instead of saying uh, the house is too cold. Right. Because that's just, I'm, I'm already saying it's too cold. You're wrong. You're bad. I'm right. I'm a victim to your wrongness. You need to change. You know what I mean? Like all that is just in that one. So instead of saying, oh, it's it's 60, six degrees in here. And then you got to be and then you got to be honest with how you feel. And you don't sugarcoat. You go, I'm feeling annoyed. Right. Which is a vulnerable thing because none of us really want to go say that, you know. But you say, I'm annoyed. Not that that's, you don't go, that's annoying me. Now I'm blaming you for how I feel. So it's like, oh, the room's 66 degrees and that's really making me upset. Now I'm blaming you. That's again, you're bad and wrong. No, no, you say the room is 66 degrees. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling annoyed. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling irritated. I'm feeling angry. You know, whatever is all fine as long as you're not blaming how I feel. And then you say, why? Why? Because uh, efficiency is important and I don't want to have a high energy bill this month. Right. That's why it's just, you know, and then the last step. So that's the third step. The third step is why. So so what has happened? You bring it up with facts. Second thing is how you feel, honestly, without blaming. Third step is why you feel that way. And it's always a value you have. It's always like because I value not paying high bills or I value energy efficiency or I value a clean house or I don't like to be talked to that way. Or, you know, what you like or don't like. That's the third step. And then the fourth step is a request not a demand. Mm. And it has to be very specific. You can't be like, can you be more considerate of your roommates? Sounds That sounds good, right? So oh, that sounds, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. You need something concrete. Can you, um, would you be willing to keep the house at 70 degrees at all times? That's specific, right? So, and but, but they could go, no, if they're like, yeah. no. And you're like, you're hot. Then, okay, then it was a demand. But here's the real, so that, that's NVC and it works. But a lot of times it doesn't work if the person is triggered. So say like a lot of times when you're doing it, like you learn in the steps, like, oh yeah, I got my MVC. And then, and then something happens and you follow all the steps and they're like, why are you trying to control me? You're, you're right. an egomaniac, a control freak. And you're like, wait a minute. And like, I just did all the steps correctly. And but that's because it doesn't matter what you say, you can't control how someone reacts to you. But here's the, the other magical thing that you can always use. And if you just take anybody's listening, if you just learn to take this one skill set, it's, it's amazing. It's a tool. So when you notice that someone is triggered, you know, uh, and if they're triggered and you're not triggered, you know, and you're like, okay, I can either not talk, I can go hide, but I want to, I actually want to, I want to work this out. I want I want to get through this. What you do is this, it's very simple, but it's profound. You guess how they feel and why. So, so say that the, the whole the, the, the scenario before you come in, you say, hey, the, you do perfect NBC. Um, the house is six, 64 degrees. I'm feeling frustrated because uh, we already talked about this and I don't, I, I don't want to have this huge uh, bill. Would you be willing to just go no lower than 68 degrees? And they go, why are you always trying to control everything? You're so worried. You're about, they just go off on you. And you're like, so then you go, you guess how they feel and why. And it feels very strange and it feels very awkward in that moment. Because they're like, get, they're like, ah, and you're guessing how you feel. Why? And take, you have to go out of your ego. You have to go out of defense. You don't defend yourself. 
You don't use logic. You don't repeat yourself. Like all that would just make it worse. They can't hear none of that. So you go, are you feeling upset because you would like more, you would like to feel whatever temperature you want in the house without me telling you what to do? And you don't have to be right. So, so, but you got to be like, uh, is this what's going on? And it's usually a bit of a process. But what happens is when you guess how they feel and why, and a lot of times it sounds like that. You're just kind of stretching. You're like, I don't know what to say. Let me just, uh, uh, is this possibly why? And then you got to actively listen. You got to listen to exactly what they say because they're going to give you clues. Because when someone's triggered, and like, like I said, if you repeat yourself or you attack them, it's just fight. But when you go, is this how you feel inside your body right now and why? They go, they got to turn their attention inside. They're like, let me check. Mm-hmm. And that immediately calms them. They, this, they're, they're the expert on this subject. It's a subject they love. And, you know, and, and it's like now they're boom. And they usually will give you some information back, you know, like, boom. No, it's just this or this. And then you got to listen and you got to go deeper. So it's a little process, but it really does work. You just guess how they feel and why. You don't have to be correct, but you got to like not judge or blame. And then once you identify how they feel and why, now you can talk again. Yeah. Now, yeah. Because it's just now they feel heard and understood. And they're like, oh, okay, let's talk. And there's an effort involved. You know, one of the, there's an effort involved. One oh, of the yeah. things that I always find is, uh, is that, you know, my best conversations that, that may have been uh, oppositional um, happen when I have the best energy, when I have the most energy. Mm. Right. When I'm the most awake, it's just like it's just like working out. Right. It's just yeah. like getting some exercise. Uh, when you have your best energy, you do it better to begin with. And that that makes me wonder, too. I'm, I'm thinking right now about what feels like, you know, an information fire hose that was shoved at us all, uh, you know, from the very beginning of the pandemic. And I think, you know, it, that's sort of an economic attack on attention and time. You know, and what you were saying about, you know, you could not talk about these things that you disagree with, mm-hmm. but they're going to linger, right? They're going to linger, yeah. They, they're going to be there, and, you know, you, you, you should. Yeah, you have to at some point. Um, you know, that's its own economic uh, you know, energy issue, right? Yeah. Um, at some point, you have to, to face it and have the conversation. Um, it, it, I feel like we've been seated with something that creates a tension, and then we have to work to resolve that tension but it shouldn't have been seeded that way to begin with, right? Like it's almost like we're responsible at this moment for, for nonviolent communication or, or, or what we might say simply communication, right? Yeah. We, we have to throw in nonviolent almost because there's this media cultural element to this society that we live in that, that you know, <laughs> trains us. Yeah. Um, trains us away from the things that, that should be good principles. Um, yes. And I, I feel like this is, this is a lot of the key um, to the, I feel like it's an attack. It is an attack, you know, that we've been under. I feel like, you know, between, you know, belief filter, which I think, I think that blocks a lot of the, the, the tension that could build up. Right. If you, you know, just like having good communication, if you, if you have good energy in your filter, Right. You're willing to make an effort to have a filter. You're willing to, to take an effort to research. You're willing to take an effort to communicate. Yeah. Um, but but they're they're trying us, they're pressing us, and they're looking for ways to break us. 
Seems like it. I mean, you know, they seems like they really just want us to live in fear and be triggered, be, right? Because when you're triggered, you don't think straight. So they want us all to be triggered, 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 and we can't think straight. And like, tell us what to do, and we'll do it. But then, if we're relaxed and confident, we're like, wait, that don't that don't make sense at all. <laughs> yeah, and it takes a bit of effort. Well, and and it's interesting. Though, even the word triggered, when I hear that word, I realize that I hear that word often in the context of of blaming liberals or libs for being triggered depending on what you know online circles you're getting videos on like that that's a term that i see often used in that context and that just reminds me of the polarization of literally everything including specific words the word woke now uh used to mean one thing or didn't mean anything at all now it means this entire section of culture that if you lean on the conservative side you dismiss entirely and you know these these words and ideas requiring uh you to pick a side when i it seems to me part of the attack or if there is an attack the intended outcome is division and we just had a very contentious uh midterm election cycle we have people on both sides calling for complete revolution and the stamping out of the other side um you're both in texas i think you're you're in uh, different parts of texas politically um and i wonder now i assert the solution the the everything we do has to be working towards coming back together not agreeing on every single issue but being able to communicate certainly non-violently goes without saying um and it seems to me once we do that everything else falls into place because we're not supposed to agree on everything right yeah. No, because we're wrong. We all get wrong. We're all wrong sometimes, but we think we're right. It's just human nature. So we need someone with a different view that goes, no, here's what I think and here's why. And then and then we go, oh, wow. You know, I think, you know, one thing is interesting and that I've learned from this, this conservative liberal kind of situation is the person who tends to be liberal uh has different set of strengths and weaknesses than the person who tends to be a conservative. And we have strengths and weaknesses. And right now the liberal uh, type of person is more susceptible to this particular propaganda because they go for the emotions first. So I think a liberal a person who tends to be more liberal is probably a more, I don't have it all figured out, but right. like they're, they're more maybe emotionally uh, strong or wise or tuned in. And so, and, and they're more nurturing, maybe. They have a maybe natural do, nurturing. Do you know the, the Chesterton's fence analogy? No. And, and I don't think this is a perfect description because there are other facets of it. But um, you, know, you come to a fence and the liberal is more likely to say, um, well, it, it's, it's, it's uh, something that I, I, I want to change. Um, you know, may, maybe this fence, it could be in the way, it could be in your path or something like that. And the liberal is more likely to begin you know, changing or dismantling the fence and the conservative is more like, likely to stop and say, maybe we shouldn't touch it because we don't know what it does yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, it, it's it's change versus not change as a default, right? I mean, e either, either group could do either thing at any time, but uh, th there's something to the personality types. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's obviously more kaleidoscopic than that when you dig down into personality types, right? But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think we need a both, right? It's like dark and light, yin and yang. And I think one, 
we all have like like a conservative who's out of balance, right? It's probably too strict. If, if we're if we're if we're running things, when we get out of balance, we're just like there'd be way too many like maybe rules or morals or stuff. And when the liberals are like, there's, there's like too much government and like anything goes, you know. So yeah. it's like, but we need each other. If we could just talk, we help balance each other out because we need each other because we need the mind and the and the emotion, you know. So yeah, and I, I try to warn my liberal friends about this that that having you know having too much power. In, uh, in sort of a liberal corner, having things change too quickly to suit an agenda yeah. it really does tempt the snapback. And the way oh, that you yeah. just described that, like, you know, have rules to put everything back in order again, right? Mm -hmm. if, if things get too chaotic because you did too much change at once, yeah. um, you know, the, the liberals are always like, uh, you know, um, Nazis, Nazis, Nazism, you know, fascism, yeah. whatever. You know, they're, they're worried about fascism. They say this over and over. Um, but where we will get forced order is if we break too much too quickly all the time. And, you know, just running over the Nuremberg code, uh, that, that, that feels like tempting, uh, a lot of snapback. And Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm currently worried about that myself, but, um, well, and that brings me to a question I have, which is so Miss Weasel on Rumble uh, point. The, uh, I like that. Yes. How you not participating in global genocide? Uh, and then they follow That's up just to ask, or is that too triggering? No. <laughs> that, because you know why? Because it's not um, saying anybody's bad or wrong. Just you know, you didn't say like uh, I, I I value like not being an idiot who's you know, <laughs> trying to kill everybody. It's like no, there's a global genocide. I don't want to be a part of it. Depending right. on the conversation, you may not want to refer to the end of the action, you know, the, the result of the actions, um, whether or not somebody else intended them that way. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the most frustrating, the, yeah. the frustrating part about like having these, like, I love a debate, right? Isn't it awesome, a debate? But the most frustrating thing with the, the climate is like people start insulting you so quickly, you know, and it's, it's and I think it's because, you, you challenge them with facts and then they, they they don't have any facts, but they think they're right, but they have no facts. So they just get angry and attack. Like this example, posted vitamin D info to Facebook in 2020 and lost a third of my friends thought I was being helpful. And I've had that experience as well, where you, you say something or you bring something to someone because th your relationship with them or your understanding of them. It being consistent would suggest that they will be uh, open to a discussion about a given thing, or you might kind of assume they'll react in a certain way. And then something seemingly completely out of nowhere, or they just disappear or they scream at you. It's very odd. Um, yeah, the, the triggering over vitamins. That's <laughs> one that just baffles me. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw this uh, just, uh, it, it, just in the last few days, a new paper dropped studying uh, vitamin D levels. Uh, studying vitamin D supplementation. We had already had like good research on vitamin D levels showing that people who had lower vitamin D, you know, were more likely to get sick and die, but you don't that doesn't necessarily tell you that you can successfully supplement. Right. But a paper just came out where they looked and said, yep, looks like it lowered, you know, mortality by about 30%. And I, I think of, uh, think back to when I, I was invited to speak, um, by, by a video to the Honolulu city council. And so I talked about the importance of, of vitamins and, 
it can't hurt to encourage people to supplement. Well, it can if, if you go crazy with some of the vitamins, right? You can you can have too much of, of some yeah. of them, depending on whether they're water or fat soluble. But you know, other than that, like just on a basic level, it can't hurt to eat well and focus on your vitamins. And and when I was done talking, the head of the Honolulu City Council threw a fit and said this was dangerous speech. And and when I think about that level of triggering, I think you know they really wound us up. You know, they did everything they could to make it hard to communicate. It, it was kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. Like, yeah, like someone would actually say, yeah, you talk about vitamin, it's dangerous speech. That's that whole mass formation. It's like, it's like, wow, it's, uh, can you clarify that, please? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, that, that, I think, I think you've uh, really brought something, a lot of things very valuable to us here. Uh, and so I want to ask, l- applying uh this to any or all of our current crises because we've we've sort of got one big one that encompasses a bunch of smaller other ones including obviously covid being a, a, the the driving force how can people who are tuning in here how can matthew and i um apply nonviolent communication as a tool to attempt to heal some divides here as okay specific situations related to covid come up like what can we yes. do i actually did a whole episode too on my podcast about how to talk about things uh controversial topics but here's the first thing just stop giving your opinion mm. we think it's so important we, we like like uh we like oh here's my opinion here's my unsolicited opinion and we, and a lot of times that's what people get annoyed at because another thing is when we give times we word it as a fact so, so we'll be like, oh, that movie was, that movie was dumb. Like the movie wasn't dumb. I thought the movie was dumb. That's, that's, that's how you speak. That's like not an opinion. That's a fact now, because that, the fact is I thought it was dumb. It's not a fact that the movie was dumb. That's an opinion. And maybe they love the movie. Right. And so now you're saying basically they're dumb. So that's one big thing. It sounds small, but it's big. If you just stop giving your opinion. And then if you do give your opinion, you go, here's my opinion. Here's what I think. And then it's just a more honest way of speaking. That is that goes a long, long way without uh, triggering people. Now, you can never control people get triggered for whatever they want. But that, that's very helpful. And you, so you speak in a factual way to speak in facts. Then, you know, then the other big thing is it's really, really, really do not imply they're bad or wrong. It, it doesn't even matter what they've done. You know, someone comes and drunkenly crashes into your car. Right. Uh, and you could say like, wow, you're being so irresponsible and careless. And like most of us would agree, but that's not going to help anything. So you just don't, so don't even say it, but you could be like, you know, okay. Uh, you just, you just don't like, you just don't imply they're bad or wrong in any way, no matter how much it seems like it. Be, why? Because it doesn't help anything. You want to find, what we're trying to do is find solutions. We're trying to find connection. And so just focus on solutions and connection. Don't imply the wrong or bad, but still be authentic. That's the key thing. So, so don't sugarcoat anything and still, oh, here's, a, here's another good one. If you're, in, if you're like talking to somebody and you're starting to feel triggered and angry and, and you don't know what to do and you don't want to say anything with this energy, then just say, I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling annoyed. Like blurt it out because that, that single thing, can, it's so honest and vulnerable. And it's easy to do because because NVC is pretty simple, but learning it, it is nuanced. 
And especially when you're dealing with another human being who's like lying and guilt tripping and doing all this stuff. And you're just like, they say like, like a sent one sentence has like three or four layers of lies and guilt trips and misinformation. You're just like, ah, so you just go, if you just, if you just blurt out, I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling, man, that, that can just make everything just calm down a, a lot. So that's mm. another like quick tip. And then the, the, the emergency empathy, when, when, when you, someone is obviously triggered and, and, and you don't know why, and, and this can happen anywhere. Like they can be violently triggered. It could be a homeless person screaming on the streets. It could be a cop who's like really being aggressive. And you just guess how they feel like, sir, are you, are you feeling uh, frustrated because you're not sure if we're uh, uh, criminals? And remember, right, you don't have to be correct, especially on the first time you do emergency empathy. You're probably not going to be correct. That's where the active listen. You say something and then you really study how they react and what they say. So those are kind of some simple things. But I think don't give your opinion. Just really try to. I mean, there's a lot of nuances. Another one that we all do, it's, it's interesting, is we all, we all disguise. Um, we'll go, instead of being honest, instead of being like, I, 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 don't, I don't believe what you're saying to me right now, right? <laughs> that's fine. Like, that's not, I'm not saying you're lying. I'm saying I don't believe what you're saying to me. We'll say, we'll, we'll disguise, we'll go, I feel like you're not telling the truth. And, and, and that's subtle. Or we'll be like, I feel like you don't really care about this relationship. I feel like you don't really want this job. Instead of saying, I don't think you want your job. That's owning your statement. We do this, I feel like. but I, So when we say, I feel like you don't want this, you don't care about this relationship. That's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. We pretend like it's a feeling because it's safer. It's like God, God has put this feeling in me. It's not me. It's God. He put this feeling in me that says you're lying. It's like a trick and we almost everybody does it. So anytime you're saying, I feel like, or I feel as if, what comes next is a judgment. Mm. And the other person feels it and they know you're saying that they're wrong with that. I, I feel like you don't really know what you're doing. You know, I feel like <laughs> you're, you know, <laughs> but, it, but the honest thing is I think, you say I think. So that's another big one. If you, if you could stop taking that little language trick out, it's actually another really helpful and you, you're forced to speak more honestly. And then you realize you're about to give your opinion and so you don't give it. So instead of going, I feel like what you say, it's like, oh, I'm not going to say that. I just will say, you know, what I want. Right. Okay. So I have two follow-up questions. The first isn't actually mine. Uh, Gardner Art on Rumble asks, how do you respond to passive sarcasm? I love it. Love it. Great one. Someone comes up and says, yeah, something like, uh, like oh, wow, you really dressed up today. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're instantly triggered and yeah. then uh so what you could do is this like so you could do you got, always got two routes you can always do nvc which is those four steps or you could just skip it and go right to emergency empathy but if we were going to do nvc right you, it might sound something like this we're like okay um i'm feeling a little annoyed because i'm not sure what you meant by your statement I'm not sure if it was a joke or if you're actually trying to trying to teach me into something. Um, would you be willing to clarify exactly what you meant by your statement? They're like, oh shit, they're really gonna like force me to uh uh and then and then all right, so 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 that would be like what right until so they get triggered, they're like, ah, stop. Then, then people are like, oh, I was kidding, I was blowing up. It's like then you could do emergency empathy. Are you feeling upset because it's important for you to everybody to dress dress at a certain level to for camaraderie of the team. 
And then they think about it, and maybe they're right. Maybe you do need to dress up better, right? And then they go, well, you know, actually, yeah, it is. I've noticed, I did study, and you have a conversation, and then it's great. So, so that's passive sarcasm. You really want clarity. When someone like is some, some joke, like, oh, pretend to get clarity on what they really mean. And guess what? Sometimes they're right, but they just don't know how to communicate in like a direct way. They got to do this indirect, half joking, half sarcastic way. And sometimes they're wrong. And then, and then with clarity, it makes it really obvious. They go, oh, yeah, I guess I was saying that. My bad. I didn't mean that. I was, I'm just upset. I'm annoyed at this whole thing that has nothing to do with you. Okay, no problem. That's what I was checking. Well, and that same scenario could also uh, be strictly comedic between good friends who know immediately it's all in good humor and joking. So I suppose it depends entirely on the situation and you're going to react you know, differently depending on who it is and, and the context. Uh, yeah, right. Because they might have meant, actually, I love your outfit. I was yeah, joking. Exactly. I was being sarcastic. I love your outfit. It's dope. Uh, where'd you get it? You know, and like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then if you didn't do that right, you might have misinterpreted it, been angry for no reason at all. And that's another thing. Half the time, it's just total miscommunication. Yes. Yes. Okay. So then the next challenge people are going to have, I think, is sometimes, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, sometimes you are discussing things that are a matter of fact uh -huh. that if you're saying it it's not opinion and of course opinion is very easy to then add on to it but if we're discussing the science uh ideally uh, in our circles we're often we're often referencing things that are are they're not speculation so um i i i do however hear what you're saying about you know don't assert things as fact and i'm wondering how you reconcile those two things when we're in a discussion that calls for the discussion of facts. No, certain things that, as facts that are facts. Speak only speak in facts. That that's that's the that's the thing. Just don't do it in an opinion. So so if someone's like, you need to take the vaccine, like it's everybody. So okay, you go. So you could be like, um, you could either be very patient and be like, oh, please explain why you think that, or you could just be like, well, um, did you know that there's been more deaths from this vaccine? than all the other vaccines for the history of mankind. Hmm. And that and, and that's that's a fact. Did you know that? Right? So you just speak of the fact. That's a fact. Did you know that? Because I at, at least know. more VAERS deaths, at least more recorded in VAERS. Yes. yes. Um, it, it it's possible. It's possible there's some sort of skew there, but we should really try to figure that out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but we do know we do know the reports are are larger exactly and that's um, even more factual right because we all we know is theirs according to according to cdc and the VAERS, there's this many deaths and then they have you know so that's a factual now we can have a factual thing and then but the problem is right when you start speaking in facts to the person who tends to be all covid then they get triggered and they go you're just being an idiot you're or leave it to the doctors because you're not qualified all right you're, you're this is dangerous then they're triggered then nothing will work except emergency empathy so you got to go, are, are you upset because you think that um, by the way I'm speaking, like I'm actually going to cause people to die? And, and this is exactly what's difficult about the social media age and, and, and perhaps a little bit of why we haven't fully figured that out and how to make it work right is because it's not like a feedback between two people. You know, this feedback loop, you know, that you're being human. <laughs> you know, you're being human, you know, nonviolent communication. But the fact is we all get on social media and we share thoughts. And with one person, it may be perfectly fine. With another person, it may be aggressive, right? Like the, the mm -hmm. perception of that. 
Yeah. And then suddenly, then suddenly you're on the hook for, you know, the cycle of the nonviolent communication to, to bring it down. So that's something I think everybody's going to need to think about. Otherwise we're going to be manipulated into this time economics and frustration and broken relationships for as long as they want to manipulate us. Um, but you know what, as, as we, um, as we close out today, I want, I want to make like a call to arms here because uh, we didn't know this at the beginning of the conversation. We didn't know you worked for Del, for Del Big Tree. Um, and, and, and we've enjoyed, uh, we've enjoyed, you know, plenty of episodes of the high wire. Um, we think, we think Del Big Tree should have you play one of these songs. Maybe, maybe, maybe one of the videos, <laughs> maybe one of the videos. I think, I think a live spot would be better. I don't know what the studio is like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah we can do that. But, uh, but you know, somebody in our audience, like, you know, is there somebody, somebody shout out if, if like, you know, if you have his email and can, and can like, you know, poke, poke on that button, you know, maybe a few people should poke on that button. Um, okay. And how, how would be best to do that? Let's see. Twitter uh, contact page here. Those yeah. who have personal, you know, don't, don't disrespect your personal connections with Dell and the team, but use oh, no, them. No. He's awesome. I love Dell. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I I do I agree with Matthew. I think it goes without saying that this only contributes to the healthy, uh, loving discussion, and uh, it would be a a a big a very large shame for Dell to miss an opportunity to uh, amplify your voice. I think, um, and it'll be one of those situations where once once he you know, has his ear turned to it. He'll go, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't think about that. It, it obviously fits the high wire messaging, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Liam, can we close out with, uh, with, with one of the songs again? Yeah. And I hope it's okay, Micah. I picked one. Um, I, I, I found it. It's, it seems to be called love is forever. Um, yeah. what do you think about us playing that one? Yeah. Yeah. I love that song. Okay. I haven't heard so this one yet. Yeah, me neither. And and so uh, to, to close this off, um, where do you want people to go if they want to hear more from you? Um, where can people go to support you beyond, you know, your YouTube channel, uh, the Rumble account, which I think someone put in the mm -hmm. chat, which I'll put in the description. Is there anywhere else you want to direct people or anything people can do to support you uh, and no permit? Yeah. So on all our social media, we're no permit music. Uh, so like uh, Instagram, you know, Rumble, Facebook, all those places. We have a website, nopermitmusic.com. That's the one I would like to eventually build up as the place where we're really giving full access to all of our stuff and have a membership and, and we're still building it. You know, it's a long process. It's a lot, a lot to do. Uh, I had a full-time job at the highway, so I'm not always doing, you know, building it, but that is the goal. So that's probably the best place for the long-term and, and the most stuff. But um, all the social medias, no permanent music. Awesome. Well, we will uh, make sure those are all included in the description. And before we close out with the song, thank you to everybody uh, for watching this uh, very entertaining, very enlightening, and very informative roundtable um, with Micah. And if you want to uh, support the show, best way to do that now is to go to www.roundingtheearth.locals.com where you can sign up for a free month uh, of premium support, after which if you want to continue, it's $5 a month. Alternatively, you can sign up as a free member because we just want to build our community and um, continue to bring you uh, conversations that we find to be compelling and also share some very important um, research and ongoing uh, investigations into some things. Matthew, do you want to uh, enlighten people on what you're doing this week on that regard? Um, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to have to 
to rework the plan because um, tomorrow night I'm presenting to the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. So, um, you know, we're, we're pushing back the, the discussion of chaos agents. And I, I put out a message saying, oh, you know, what? we'll do the Thursday evening instead. Uh, but that's Thanksgiving. Oh, so, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to take that post down and figure out, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll jump in on Saturday or Friday or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll decide uh, sometime today and push that out. But I, it's kind of a jam schedule this week. So for those of you who are uh, members of the Canadian COVID Care Alliance, look out for Matthew's roundtable discussion tomorrow. What is your topic, Matthew? Oh, um, actually, what, what I've been writing about the last few days, um, uh, the, uh, the, the FTX discussion, but the bigger picture, right? Like, how does this fit into, you know, I, I, think, I think that it fits into the entire pandemic. Yeah. And, and that once you realize that, you know, that the pandemic may have been something that might have been intentionally used to provide cover for some very large global events, um, you know, change in, in monetary system uh, mm -hmm. is what I believe. And I'm going to walk through the evidence of, of why I believe that uh, at, at the very least, I hope that people think about it because it may help us understand what we might do moving forward. Rock on. And uh, you know what, Micah? We didn't even talk about our mutual interest cryptocurrency. So we'll have to have you back on for discussion on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, well, thanks, you guys. I really enjoyed it. It's awesome. I love what you're doing here. It's really cool. It's been a very uh, enjoyable experience. Nice to see like your crowd and they're, they're, they're talking and stuff. I love it. Oh, they, they absolutely love you. Everyone agrees you should uh, perform on the high wire. Uh, Garden Arts says, love your music. Great discussion. Miss Weasel says, thanks for helping save me from a Thanksgiving Day family blow up. Christy says, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Micah. Awesome. Let's thank go out on uh, a song, which I'm very excited to hear for the first time. Love is forever. We'll see you guys later. Why is this so?